traditional education system. So uh, I was sharing this concept with with one of my friends, um, Charlie Hohen, and he happened to know the organizer of a TED Talk in Dominican Republic. Um, and he said, I think you should talk to Azul. He has this interesting book. He thinks differently about education. That's really how it happened. And I spoke to the organizer of the event who had put on seven successful events. So uh, he's very particular about who he this is Scratch Your Own Itch, the one show that delivers the conversations that we're afraid to share, but need to. This show is all about creating a life worth living. I'm Logan Tyler Nelson, and I'm your host. So you're going to hear conversations with creators and entrepreneurs talk about what they do, their current and past traumas, how they became who they are, and what they are truly curious about. This is the show where we talk about the things we think about a lot but need to talk about more. Please take note that this show is not a substitute for actually creating a life worth living because this show will stir your beliefs, make you question what it means to create a life worth living. So my promise to you is to always give you one question to answer for yourself today to start turning your dreams into a reality. Before I get into this episode, I just wanted to uh, forewarn you that the audio is going to be a little bit different. I had to record this with a different microphone and therefore the audio is a little bit different. Uh, although it's a great interview with my man Azul, uh, this is one of the most caring, passionate, super just overly giving person. I mean, really, uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, before I get into this episode, though, I, wanna, I wanted to quickly read a uh, review for you that I think really, really, really spoke to me. Um, it's by KDV, and he says, Logan graciously and bravely shares his whole heart in his podcast. He shows his listeners that it is always better to communicate dark thoughts and deep desires rather than sit with them in seclusion his work to make life and living a more beautiful thing shines through the pain and discouragement we often feel i highly recommend this podcast to anyone needing encouragement self-love or even just a kinder voice in the ear to ear here wow that means the world to me. Thank you so much, KDV, for writing that awesome, awesome review. He titled with Impactful, Important, Impossibly Brave. That means the world to me. Um, please, KDV, reach out to me and, and let me know if you're working on anything. If you got a YouTube channel or maybe a podcast of your own, I'd love to tag you in it. Um, so thank you so much. Ah, God, that means the world to me because I know that people that are listening to the show can really be listening to so many other shows and so many other audiobooks. And so to be in competition with them and to know that they're spending quality time to actually take their thoughts and to really ask themselves which one's more important, which one's more helpful for me right now. Because we all have negative thoughts. It's something that we can't. It's something that we can't ever really get rid of. So, uh, without further ado, enjoy this interview with Azul and myself. So, my curiosity question for you is. Have you ever had an idea that you thought was so good that you said to yourself, gosh, I should write a book on that? Let me ask you that again. Have you ever had an idea that was so good that you said to yourself, gosh, I should write a book on that? Well, if you have, 
I want to let you know that you're not alone. Secondly, here's a little secret about me. I have a confession because growing up, I knew I always wanted to be a writer. I had dreams of reporting the latest news, creating stories out of scraps, and capturing the best and the worst of the world and putting it into words. However, despite my interest in writing, I was encouraged not to pursue a career in such a field. Instead, I was told to pursue a, a career that was more stable, like teaching or becoming a professor. Careers which would guarantee me a position right out of college. Careers which had child-friendly hours and decent pay. So I put my writing onto the side and now I call myself a creator, <laughs> which is a student of life, really. So I want to let you know that today my guest is going to help us put this practice into place and turn our dreams into reality. Because he's not only a published author himself, but he's making some real innovative strides towards teaching people how to be efficient with their writing, and also the way teachers, well, teach. His name is Azul Turones, and he is an educator, TEDx speaker, and the author of the best-selling book, The Art of Apprenticeship, How to Hack Your Way Into Making a Killing Doing What You Love. He is the co-founder of Authors Writing Academy and coaches authors like Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income and Data Malstaff of BossMom.com. So, maybe you've already committed to the process of writing, but you're constantly asking yourself, why am I writing this? Or who am I writing this for? These hurdles are super normal when it comes to learning how to write a book. Which is why I wanted to invite my awesome, amazing champion of my life, Azul Taronis, to join me on this podcast today. So give a warm welcome to the one and only Azul Taronis. <laughs> Thanks. That's quite an introduction. Thank you so much. Oh, you are so welcome. Um, thank you, Azul. Like, just behind the scenes, you've been so helpful, and you've spent... Ooh, a lot of time just on the phone with me talking about my problems and trying to figure them out and, and you ask for absolutely nothing in return um, and there's not a lot of people like that out there and uh, now delving into your work and, and learning more about you it just it makes more sense the way you are the way you are and um, what you're doing is, is it's a it's setting out a real um, uh, I think impact and honestly something that more people should delve into so please check out Azul Taronis' podcast after you listen to this and also his book and his TEDx talk um, but um, yeah I just want to acknowledge you for that first off right off the bat well, thank you it's an honor I'm privilege to just help any way I can um, so I want to start off by uh, asking you Azul because most people that are really amazing at what they do, I think do it because their greatest weakness, such as being lonely, turns into their greatest strength. They find themselves lonely, so they become wicked good at teaching themselves how to be better at connecting themselves with others. So does this resonate with you at all when I kind of say that? Uh, did you find yourself scratching your own itch and wanting to become a great writer because of some loneliness in your life? You know, I definitely think about my path to being here had a great deal to do with not being good at it. <laughs> um, one of the things that I really felt was that I I was not really good in school, though I went to a great university. Um, I went to UCLA, got a master's degree, but I, I, I was terrible in school in the sense that um, – it was hard, and I basically, um, I'm dyslexic, and I didn't realize it until I was a junior in college. And with that came the challenges of doing well in school and wanting to be a writer. I never was really great at it, so um, sort of 
my dreams got crushed a bit when I heard teachers tell me that, you know, things that weren't that good or needed improvement, you know, and the best I could get would be a B minus with all my effort. Uh, and I actually flunked out of freshman English in college and had to take it again. So, yeah, I think becoming a writer, you know, eventually becoming a school teacher and teaching English, which is kind of ironic. Um, I, I didn't teach and see the world as maybe everyone else did about writing. I saw it as an important way to share your message with the world. And I really believe everybody has an important message to share. It's just, you know, we get afraid that our message will be judged. So, uh, yeah, I think maybe the loneliness had to be around the idea that I just, I just didn't feel like I could do it. And so, yeah, I spent a lot of years teaching people to write because I just became afraid to put myself out there to be judged. And I think that's the biggest fear that most writers have is, will I be accepted for this? Will this be good enough? And a lot of what I do is help people overcome those fears before they even start writing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, actually crazy how oftentimes it's even bigger than that. It's this sort of like... Um, one one thing I've realized that uh, is a great starting off point for anybody that's going into a, a certain uh, career or something like that is, is to ask themselves, like, really, what makes you so mad that you can't keep your mouth shut about it? And the reason why I bring this up is because your TEDx talk and also, like, what you stand for is to teach in a kind of new way, in a new innovative way, um... And I think it stems from maybe being so angry at something in, in the education system. Uh, do you see this to be true? And that's why you kind of are doing what you're doing now? Well, I definitely think it's because I wanted to see things change. Um, you know, I think I think watching years of school being being uh, used as a tool to to separate people from the those who are, quote, smart enough and those who aren't separating people's ability to use their hands from their minds instead of seeing a big picture about teaching. And I think that's why I spent the second half of my career working in a project-based school, because I didn't want people to to think that because they were amazing artists or great at speaking, that it would be uh, less valued than someone who could write well or do math. Like those ones so, sort of were the mecca. If you can do a, write a paper and do the math, you're good, but if you, you're a good speaker or you're quick on your feet or you're a good painter or you're good at building, you sort of got left out of the system. And I think that was unfortunate because so many creators have so much to give. In fact, you know, everything we have that we use was built by a creative person and maybe engineered by somebody else. But like creators have a really important place in this world. And um, one of my professors in college at our commencement speech said, to all of our parents in the audience who, you know, whose children had gotten a degree in art or the arts said, you know, you might be wondering what jobs are out there for your, your students as artists. And he says that most of the people who work in other fields toil and spend their life to earn money to buy the things that your children will be able to create. And um, that always rang true to me, like, wow, yeah, we work really hard to to buy beautiful things or wear wonderful clothes or to be able to go to beautiful places and see things created by wonderful artists. Uh, but the truth is artists have such so much more power than they know. And sometimes being an artist is just being who you are. Hey, Logan Tyler Nelson here. I would so appreciate it if you took some time to hit the subscribe button. I really want to just honestly live and give. Why? Because I was told when I was young that if you're feeling down, the best way to feel better is by lifting someone up again. So in an effort to make someone feel less alone, please hit the subscribe button so the podcast has a better chance of being found and making someone feel less alone. And if you're feeling down, hey, it can help you. Know that by hitting that subscribe button, you just did someone a huge favor. So thank you for hitting that subscribe button. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so true. I think that's so true. It's just <laughs> being an artist is, is, is getting the stuff that's inside of you out there in some way out of your head. You know, and it's like um, some people view that as art. Some people just that's another word for expression, I think. And, and um, one of the things that I really love about 
because I want to talk a little bit about your book. Actually, I want to talk a lot of bit about your book because I've I've uh, realized a huge paradigm shift in 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 my own life and um, selfishly realizing that uh, the people that I look up to the most are using this sort of art of apprenticeship and how to kind of hack your way into any industry and and so like you come into my life at a perfect time and I want to really ask you um, how you came up with this idea to do a TED first a TEDx talk about it and then actually put it into a book well so the the book the book The Art of Apprenticeship was written mainly for me because one I had I had published students for maybe 10 years and I just never published myself. And one student asked me, well, where's your book? And the truth was I didn't have one out there because I had been afraid for so many years. And what I was looking to do was sort of not stay in the world of education, which is sort of counterintuitive of everyone who's making their way in education. I had become a principal. I was asked to be assistant superintendent. I was teaching university. Those things were all wonderful, but they weren't what was inside of me. I wanted to travel. I wanted to see the world. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And my peers... That wasn't what they were pursuing. Um, so I wanted to figure out how do I leap out of this world into the next world. And so the book I wrote was for me so that I could really figure out could I make this leap by learning from other people who had already gone there, like like blacksmiths used to or people who were silversmiths or whatever field. They used to kind of work under the master and become uh, a journeyman and then become masters themselves. So I was thinking of that model rather than education, which is the opposite of what I was doing, which is teaching people in a very you know, traditional education system. So uh, I was sharing this concept with, with one of my friends, um, Charlie Hohen, and he happened to know the organizer of a TED Talk in Dominican Republic. Um, and he said, I think you should talk to Azul. He has this interesting book. He thinks differently about education. That's really how it happened, and I spoke to the organizer of the event who had put on seven successful events, so uh, he's very particular about who he accepts, but um, I started talking about this idea I had about education rather than the book, and the, the, the idea was that I had asked this single question of students for 24 years, which is, what makes a good teacher great? Like, tell me, tell me in your words, what do I have to do to be great? And uh, I had collected those for 22 years. And to 24 years, I was asking, and I started collecting about 22 years into it. Uh, I gained about 26,000 responses to that question. And I have been astonished by what young people have said. And so I think that intrigued him. Um, I hadn't written a book about it. Uh, I actually just had this idea. And I had pitched this idea to a couple of authors. They're like, that sounds like a great, interesting book. I just didn't know if it was like, I, how could I make these one sentence responses from kids interesting? And what I realized was that I had to be listening. It wasn't that they wrote them that was interesting. It was that, was I listening? And for a good part of my career, I don't think I was. So uh, I think that's what intrigued them. And that's what the book is I'm working on. Uh, what makes a good teacher great? Because I want people to, to start listening to young people more and, really could change education, even if that's one classroom at a time, if they just listen to young people. I think uh, you're an incredible listener now, um, personally, because I, I've listened to a few of your podcasts and uh, your interviews, and, and um, I can really tell when someone's really listening to understand versus listening to just reply. And I've actually, like, literally heard you get an answer from someone and then they'll be going on and they'll be going on. And then uh, you're about to say something and then they keep going on. And they actually you change what you were going to initially say. And that gives proof that you actually are listening to them versus going, you know, like, for example, with, uh, you know, uh, some people will say, like, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden that person will finish their sentence. And then they still say, you know, this. And it's like you've uh, done that incredibly well. And I think that... um or I believe at least that listening is a huge part of your writing process. Um, so I kind of want to go into your process of writing and do you have a r- routine, a ritual? I'm always just curious on, on one's uh, routine and, and uh, how they get into the mode of, of going, hey, I'm going to write now. And, and what's that process like for you? 
you know, I always try to help my students do this, and it's sometimes it's difficult for me as well, but just having a daily word count habit um, that you don't count writing as anything other than words on a page. Um, so, you know, if you can write, let's imagine you could write in 10 minutes 250 words. Um, and with that, if you times it by six, that would be maybe 1,500 words in an hour. So if you wrote an hour a day with word count as your goal, you could write an average-sized book in about 30 days. And that's what I did. That's, and I realized that I had been f fearing writing and thinking it takes a long time because I counted things like research and um, organizing and outlining as writing when they're not, that's not really writing. Uh, those are all activities that support writing, but not writing. And uh, the way we're taught in school and the way a lot of teachers taught was what's more important is that you organize yourself and that you edit well. Because if you turn in a paper and it has a great idea, but it has a lot of mistakes, then you're marked down, right? Your idea could be excellent and could be life-changing. But because you didn't do the grammar correctly or spelling or wasn't neat or organized or didn't skip lines or whatever font they ask you to put it in, um, then, then what happens is, you know, you're you're thinking you're not a good writer, but really you were being taught to be a good editor, someone who turns in a paper that's really well edited, not somebody with original ideas, with a great message, with heart and, and something you care about. So I think a lot of people are trained more to be editors and turning good papers than they are about writing. So we have a false sense of what good writing is. Most people put off the writing to the very end and wrote the paper the night before just to get over it. Then they don't really think about the very little amount of time they spent writing was the words on a page. And so my first thing is, like my daily habit is, I had to sit down and write 500 words, whether they're good words or bad words. And when I'm working on a book, I make it a thousand words because I just have more to produce. Uh, so that's just, that's trying to make them my habit. And I try to write first in the day, like maybe exercise something I do early in the day so that it doesn't get put off. It's so easy for something like writing to not, to be inconsequential, like so you put it off. So that, that's some of my habits that I, that I have. I love it. Yeah, rewriting is uh is the key, I think. Uh who who said it? I think it was um someone said writing is rewriting. Yeah, and that's so true. I mean, really the the most difficult part is not the writing, it's rewriting. So, why don't you spend all your time just getting it on the page and you can work on it um with an editor. And that's the great thing is most people think of writing as a solo art. Really, books, great books are written by a, by one person's amazing ideas and a group of people supporting them to make that idea come true. Mm -hmm. And that makes a really good point that you don't have to sit in a basement and in a dark, dark room and do it all by yourself. You can yeah. have some help. <laughs> Absolutely. You can have help, help, you know, in the writing process, help in the editing process, help in the naming of the book process, like all these different parts. You don't have to do it alone. We're trained to do it alone, but I, it's not the best way to create something, I think. Yeah, it's a, it's it's crazy how um, oftentimes we'll see an author's name, and uh, I kind of wish that it was actually written uh, the author's name, and then like right below it was all the people that actually contributed to the book, just because I think that you know, I mean, like yeah, it is their book, but at the same time, behind the scenes, like there's just so much more that goes into it. It's, it's the same thing with like uh, you know uh, directors winning uh, Emmys and stuff, and 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 um, actors winning Emmys, and and I just say it's just like it's it's such a collaborative thing, and to single anybody else out, I think is just uh, maybe it's egotistical <laughs> in my in my opinion, but. Um, no. Anyways, I uh, really, speaking of, of having help, um, who are some people in your life uh, that have just been really, really huge, huge, huge mentors in your life and, and um, have actually taken you on, on and uh, been like just huge champions? Yeah. So, I mean, early in my life, I think it was my scoutmaster when I was a Boy Scout. Like, he really was a great mentor. Um you know, being there, teaching me things that I, I had no knowledge of, how to chop wood, how to fix something in my car, things like that. And, and then later on in my life were some of the leaders that I served under, um, different 
leaders in schools. But more recently, the people that have helped me on this entrepreneurial entrepreneurial journey is is uh, definitely Charlie Hohen, um, who's been a big uh, uh, he's like a hero of mine, but also a friend and a colleague. Uh, you know, just learning a lot from him and with him, as well as uh, Pat Flynn, who's been a great uh, supporter. And, and like you, the reason I continue to to reach out and whenever someone asks me for help who's genuine, uh, who's being reasonable, I, I always help because I've had so many people uh, like Jordan Harbinger of be a great mentor and friend, uh, Chris Ducker, uh, Peter Shankman's always been uh, more than willing to go out of his way to meet me if I'm visiting New York or if I'm somewhere or to help me. Um, so I think I have many mentors and I, I think I, I wish I would have spent more time um, reaching out to them earlier on, but I, now I feel like I, I owe it to them to serve and help mentor um, people when they come to me. Of course, if someone comes to you and goes, hey, can, I be, can you be my mentor? I think that's not the right question. I think the question that they should do is ask how could they help, how could they serve, how they contribute. And that's a lot of what I wrote about in the book, Art of Apprenticeship, is finding a mentor is about learning to serve the audience and the people that that mentor you wish to be a part of. Uh, serving their community so they feel like, wow, this person is giving when they don't have anything else to give besides their presence. So I think I've been really fortunate to be able to serve and help a lot of these people and serve with them. And because of that, I've gotten great mentorship um, from them. Wow, you named some real amazing, incredible people that I also follow and um, never actually met, but I am utilizing them as mentors just because they put out some incredible work and um they do it in a way where they're not asking for anything else other than hey if we say this you gotta follow it and so yeah i've learned from jordan and himself actually we're just like taking you know five to ten to twenty minutes a day and just reaching out to people and saying hey like i don't really want anything from you right now but i just want to say hey and that's all I really want is just to see how your life's going. And I think that really um, makes a huge difference in someone's day instead of being like, oh, gosh, that person only reaches out when they need X, Y, Z. And um, so when things do kind of hit, because I'll be honest with you, like I've, I've I guess, uh, sort of secluded myself from a lot of people in my life because I thought I needed to be the, the world-class actor. And uh, I had to do it all by myself and uh, practice by myself when that was totally uh, the opposite of the truth. The truth is to connect with people and being able to uh, give them value, even if you don't think you can, like you say in your book, to, to see how you can just be there for them is uh, bigger than anything. So uh, thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. And, you know, I think... We have in our mind how things are or how we think they could be. And a lot of times those are just things that live in our brain. Like whether they be true or not, we think, well, this has to be like this. Um, you know, and some of the greatest things I've done in my life have been by accident or by just taking a step forward, not from practice or being, you know, better than somebody else. Um, and I think, you know, if you can – you know, just like the name of your podcast, Scratch Your Own Itch, if you can just be curious and wonder and also be gentle with yourself. I think a lot of people get really hard on themselves when they don't perform to their own standards or they don't live up to some reality that they're trying to perform. And that really stunts your creativity and your ability to produce anything worth value. And I'll give you an example. I, I, I also I coach TEDx speakers, but I also coach people in creativity. And one of the one of the the creativity groups I coach, I coach for uh, a company that um, employs a lot of creatives to do some some work with their clients. Um, and even though the, these creatives aren't in the industry, these, the CEO realizes these are very good people for customer service, et cetera. Anyways, but he wants to support their creative endeavors. And because of that, I run a coaching group for that group of creatives. And the, one of the biggest challenges that, that I notice in creatives is the self-sabotaging, the fear, anxiety of being good enough, or the fear of not attaining the goal of being super successful. Um, and with that comes just the slight difference between them and somebody else who looks like them, 
sings or performs just as well as them, does all these things. Just in the audition, it's a sliver of enough difference when you have fear and doubt in your own abilities that keeps you from getting those parts. It's not your talent. And you're much better off just being you and being not so good. Because I don't, I think about the TED talk that I gave. I wasn't great. It wasn't my best speaking opportunity. <laughs> but I was honest and I was authentic and I spoke what I wanted to say. And I think I feel better about that than if I would have polished a, perf a perfect turd, you know, made something that was just mediocre but didn't really resonate. Um, so I think a lot of this behaviors that we have for ourselves can be really destructive. And I know it was for me um, trying to make writing perfect in my mind before I produced it uh, kept me from doing it for so many years. Yeah, I, I think so many of us often avoid the thing that we need to do most. <laughs> and that's probably why writing is one of the hardest things in the world uh, for a lot of people because also once they think of that idea, they got to put it into practice and and um, it doesn't write itself. you got to actually put on some action. And same thing with, with so many things in life. Um, but a huge mantra that's been showing up to me, and, and it was yeah, you you remind me of it is sometimes showing up is good enough just showing up so I'm saying that to you and and what's a mantra maybe recently that you've kind of uh been seeing correlation in your life and it just keeps sh keeps uh keeps showing up in your life huh. I don't know if I if I have a mantra that keeps showing up uh, on the top of my head but what I do think of a lot is you know sometimes I just have to appreciate that the sun is setting and I should stop and watch it or sometimes I should get out a pen and paper and write someone a note or sometimes I should just appreciate that if I'm 90 would this matter you know I, I think that's the kind of thing I've been thinking about every moment could be such a wonderful thing and <clears throat> the more possessions that, that uh, you have and the more things you try to attain, sometimes it it counteracts what you're hoping for. I mean, there's a, an incredible um, uh, principle called um, Campbell's Law, and basically, in a short version of it, is the very thing that you are trying to use to measure the performance of one thing could also be the thing that keeps you from getting that performance. And we always talked about education, but sometimes your success that you're always measuring against is the very thing that's keeping you from having it. So sometimes you gotta remind yourself not to, to worry so much about the zeros after your your business launch or the ratings or the likes or the number of downloads on your podcast or whatever. Because I think it creates a false sense of reality and then keeps you from happiness. You think if I had more, I'd be happy or I'd be better off or I'd be doing better. But gosh, when you're 90 years old, you're gonna be looking and you get up out of bed, you're like, today is a good day. So I want to live that way now. Like, wow, today is a good day. Look, I can stand on my own two feet. You know, I can breathe. Look at that sun. I can smell the flowers. Like, those are markers for me to, to resonate with and appreciate people because people that pass in your life maybe like flowers, that they're here for a season and they don't come back again. You have to appreciate them. Or that the, 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 the roots of the tree are solid. You might get to enjoy them for years to come. So... Yeah, I don't know if that answered your question about a mantra. Oh, no, it was amazing. Oh, I just, like, literally, I want to I wanna remind myself of this little tidbit that you just said, like, every single day that I live. No joke. Um, that was amazing. <laughs> I want to go into what I call the scratching the surface curiosity questions where we just um, make someone feel a little less alone and also learn a, a little bit more about you. And, um, and then... Uh, We'll round it out, but uh, whenever you're ready for that, I'll ask the first question. Yeah, bring it on, friend. Awesome. Um, so the first question that I got, I have to ask you, because I'd be kicking myself in the butt if I didn't. Um, <laughs> what's a, a current belief that you had about yourself that you're a little embarrassed or ashamed about having, but you know it's just a thought and it's not you? Um, I think that I thought other people would be annoyed by my voice. Um, yeah, that it sort of sounds hideous to me, but people have enjoyed my podcast, which is part of the reason why 
I did it because I was like, yeah, I don't like the way I sound. But I think that's kind of the whole point of it is like, it's not about the way I sound. It's about what we're talking about. So, I mean, it's sort of embarrassing to admit that, but also, also, you know, all the factors of like, will I die? No, will anyone care? You know, like my biggest fear is probably not dying. It's probably being forgotten. And so, yeah, I mean, those are honest fears and honest truths about me that I think, I think about. Hey friends. So let me ask you real quick. Are you someone who's trying to get more visibility? Who's trying to be in front of the crowd? Well, if that's you, I want to let you know that first of all, you're not alone. Second of all, if you want to get on more podcasts or ones that actually scratch your own itch, meaning maybe you have a book or a business, or maybe you do speaking, or if you don't yet do speaking, maybe you can, and maybe you'd love to. Well, I put something together for you, and in this little giveaway, I'm going to show you how to pitch yourself or podcast and how to actually be professional when you show up so you can be the next authority in your niche so you can start scratching your own itch. I know what it's like to build something, create something, and then there just be crickets. No one wants that. You need to be seen. You need to be heard because you have a message to share, a message that is worthy of hearing. Podcasts nowadays, more than ever, are being consumed by people. And guess who's actually learning the knowledge that's being shared? It's podcast listeners. It gives you a license to be an authority in whatever area you really dream of being an authority in. So if this at all starts to give you a little itch to scratch, just email logan at logantylernelson.com. Again, that's logan at logantylernelson.com. Wow, thank you for saying that. Uh, you know, I just actually heard someone say on a on another show that, um, you know, everybody fears something. And when people are really angry with you or something or for no apparent reason, it's usually because they're fearing something and it stems from that. And it's just like, um, if you can get to the heart of the fear, I uh, can tell a lot about yourself and that person. And also it can uh, hopefully later on alleviate you of some pains if you really get deep and down with it and you just uh, wrestle with the fear instead of trying to run away from it all constantly so um, yeah for sure it's amazing uh, but the next question I gotta ask you is um, where do you go when you're just chilling out on a Tuesday night hanging out and you're curious about something that's on your mind where's your go-to resource Hmm. A go-to resource. I like conversation, honestly. I think if I'm really curious and I don't have an answer, I don't really need the answer. I just want someone to help entertain the question. So usually I would go to a conversation. That I think that's my resource is other people. They don't have to have the answer. They just need to be willing to wonder with me or... Even if they think they have the answer, I'm, I'm willing to entertain it. Um, it's it's when, when people think they have the answers is when I think the world gets complex. Um, so that would be my answer. I love that. I love that. I, I You know, I, I it brings me back to the reason why I started the podcast was I was really afraid to call it a mental health podcast because I didn't have a PhD or uh, a certificate or, or a license or anything like that. But one person, one of my friends was like, hey, but you have perspective, right? Like you, you've gone through depression. You've gone through a suicide attempt. And maybe you don't have the answers for people that come onto your show and they're going through a hard time. But at least you can just listen to them. Um, and, and that was like, hearing that was like just everything to me. So 
um, it kind of correlates with exactly what you just said is like sometimes you don't need the answer sometimes you just need to be uh, with someone that you can tango with a, a certain question yeah uh, totally uh, the next question I'd love to ask is um, what is a, a title of a book that you really want to have for uh, one of your books you know down the road maybe it's not a current book, <laughs> book that you're writing but I'm sure you think about titles for books all the time yeah, a book that's on my mind. It's been on my mind since the first one. Um, it's called Creative Noncompliance. It's about all the things you do that you might bend or break the rules for the sake of a greater good. And I, Creative Noncompliance is about doing things for people, particularly I was thinking about teachers, but I think it applies to a lot of people, that if the rule says do this, if it doesn't benefit kids, why should you do it? So creative noncompliance is like a, a, a way of thinking. Um, like be noncompliant, but find a way to solve the problem. Like don't just be defiant, be creatively noncompliant. I can't wait until that book comes out one day. Oh, that's going to be so good. I love that name. I love it. Um, what is a, <laughs> what is a, a story uh, in which you found yourself laughing so uncontrollably that you just could not stop and your stomach started hurting. Um, what's the story behind that? When I was 11 years old, my best friend convinced me that even though I was grounded, that I should sneak out in the middle of the night to go see the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And though that would be enough of a, a fun story, he also told me that you, at the Rocky Horror Picture Show, they all, it's about transvestites, which I didn't know anything about or what that meant. And he says, you should dress up. And I said, well, what does that mean? He said, well, you dress like a girl. That's what a transvestite is. And I said, are you going to do it? He said, yes, of course. And so I lay there at night knowing I was grounded, not supposed to go out. And then I snuck out of my house dressed in my mom's dress and high heels and wig, jumped out of my window and snuck out. And uh, when I jumped out of the window, saw him standing there plain clothes and realized that I was in for a very long night. So that always, that moment will forever be seared in my brain as the laughter and terror at the same time um, brings a lot of memories back. <laughs> I can just picture Azul and uh, like you just, uh, just loading up the lipstick, the nice high heels. Dude, walking in high heels is no easy feat either. Yeah, not 11. You could barely walk on your own two feet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, the, the next uh, round of questions are just really quick, sort of rapid fire, sort of 30 seconds or less t sort of thinking questions, and then uh, we'll round it out. Great. The first uh, rapid-fire question is, uh, what do you think is more important, your network or your net... Uh, what do you think is more important, your network or what you know? That's what I meant to say. I think your net network. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, Mainly because they're people versus what's in your head. What's in your head is going to go when you go, but people may, you know... I don't know. Like I said, it's always about people for me. So that's why the network, not so much network and what someone can do for me, but the group of people who I would want to connect with. Well said, well said. Um, what's a habit or maybe some sort of a recent belief that you started utilizing in your life that's really been a huge help and huge value for you? Um, meditation. It's been really helpful to let all the negative thoughts and worries and doubts and even just noise drift away more like clouds than to clutter up my mind. So meditation has definitely been one of the things I've put into practice. It's really helpful. That's awesome. Yeah, I uh, recently adopted meditation, but I put a spin on it. I call it my worrisome meditation where for that 10 minutes, I literally am allowed to have any worries that I want. And then after that, uh, it kind of allows me to go on throughout my day without as many worries. And I'm a very anxious person. 
uh, at nature when I'm in crowds or in, in a new environment. I just am naturally super anxious and uh, worried about what will happen. And and this has been a huge help for me personally, is just to be able to take that 10 minutes and just uh, go, okay, I can think about whatever I want right now, finances, uh, relationships, what I want to be, what I wish I was, what I wish I did, all that stuff. Yeah, that's great. Uh, what is a, a, an author of yours that you find yourself going back to reading all the time? Um, Seth Godin probably is an author I go back to quite a bit for nonfiction. He, he has such a way of being clear about what he wants you to know. And his message is always so true. Uh, so Seth Godin, definitely one of the authors I, I will read and reread. Uh, again and again. You know, I I hate I hate comparing myself or comparing people to other people. But whenever I listen to you, I I think of Seth Godin like right away. Like you guys are are I don't know long lost cousins or or brothers. Because honestly, like you guys, I can tell you like him. Yeah, yeah, I really uh, admire him quite a bit. But that's a big. Uh, compliment thank you so much for that no you're super welcome and i'm not joking you like oh so many things that some people will say on podcasts i just i have a natural instinct to be a rebel and rebel against what they say and go uh no that's not true and like i can't ever do that whenever i've listened to your guys's podcast or listening to seth talk where i'm just like oh that's so true (laughs) Um, yeah i actually feel that way about him too uh, the second to last question is, what is a favorite failure of yours? I think I have so many. Um, I, about 12 years ago, owned a fitness gym. I started a gym and really wanted to help people be fit, especially people who had never been in a gym and probably never would be just because they're fear of their weight or their size or their age. So I, I love the concept. I love building it out. Um, it totally happened right before the crash, the economic crash, and I lost everything. So it was a big failure in some ways, but I think I learned more from that failure than I could have earned in an MBA and some other place because running a company and having employees and paying your, your rent and everyone else you learn a lot about who you are and who you're not. So, yeah, that's probably... I don't know who I would use the word favorite, but it's my most helpful failure. Wow, Azul, I had no idea that you did that. That is... Oh, I want to talk to you about that for so much longer. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> we can't right now, but um, I want to definitely give an opportunity for... You know, I obviously plugged your podcast in the very beginning, and I'm um, also plugged uh, your TEDx talk. But if anybody else is just they're listening to this and they just want to support you and your your efforts and, and maybe you want to give them a piece of homework, what would it be? I would say um, if you want to write a book, you should. You don't need permission. You don't need to be good. You just need commitment. And if you're thinking about it, you should definitely do it. There's no, nobody that's going to keep you from it but you. And if you want to know how you get started, go to coachazul.com slash challenge. And I do a free five-day challenge to get people started on how to get themselves going, get an idea, get a writing habit. And from that, plenty of people have written books just in that five-day challenge alone. And I think that's that would be great to see more people share their stories with the world. Wow. Wow. Uh, Azul, this has been incredible. I thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I, I really like appreciate you and all your work and all your efforts and, and, and also like just where you I can tell you're just having fun. You're having <laughs> fun with it. You know what I mean? And yeah. you make you make uh your writing look uh look fun again. You know, and I really like that. I love that in, in your podcast, in your work. As a you reading through your book, I also really love the format and how simple it was. So check out 
Azul, I promise you, you will not be disappointed with how simplistic his work is. And um, I think it's it's this sort of like ease that he has in his work that separates himself from a lot of uh, authors. And, and same with speaking. And, and I, he's the worst critic in the world of himself because his TED Talk, I thought, was absolutely incredible, too. So please, please check him out. Hmm. Awesome. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, there's another episode of Scratch Your Own Itch. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to support the show by listening. Um, the biggest compliment you could ever pay me is just by sharing this because honestly it doesn't take much and it feels so good when people create something and take time and when I see someone take time to create something that really just changed my day either made me feel less alone maybe put a smile on my face made me laugh made me feel wiser I always want to share it with the world because why When I share something that resonates with me, why not share it? I mean, that's just kind of the thing that goes around, and it's free. It takes no time at all other than just a click of the button, share, on either Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, any of those social media platforms would be great to share this. So I really appreciate it, and I want to say that um, anybody who's looking to gain authority or expertise in their area and they don't want to take another year or year and a half to write a book and wait until that's published I think the best way is right now is to start a podcast so if you're at all interested in starting a podcast if you meet the certain requirements I would love to help you with a podcast and also get a website going for you as well and this is not an easy task it's hard to actually get it done and get it out there so Every now and then we need some help, and I'm here for you. So please reach me at Logan at LoganTylerNelson.com if you're interested at all. And don't ever forget, you matter and you're enough.